0: When you realize that you have a choice, you realize that you have a responsibility for your own life. And that's a hard thing to come to terms to. Regardless of what trauma you experience, of what disappointment or neglect, or whatever it is that you experience from friends, family, loved ones. Obviously, like those things impact you, right? They shift the way that you see people and the way that you engage with people for a long time, but it doesn't have to be forever you just have to take the responsibility because the truth is on one hand these things do impact you and they do change you in a significant way but you also do impact you and you change you in a significant way.
1: Friends, it's Tessa. You're hearing my voice right now because I've decided to finally start something that I've been thinking about for a while now. For a couple of years now, I've been really into podcasts. I have two favorite genres, true crime, and then any kind of podcast that provides insightful conversations about meaningful topics. I've also realized that I tend to have a lot of those kinds of conversations in my daily life with people in my community. And honestly, That's what really lights me up. Talking to incredible human beings about the shit that really matters in life. So, I think I'm starting a podcast. (laughs) It's kind of weird for me to say that right now because I genuinely have no idea what I'm doing. I don't have the best equipment. I mean, I'm literally using my laptop and some earbuds with a mic attached to it right now, like the basic kind. So, I'm sorry if the audio quality isn't that great today. I promise it'll get better eventually. I mean, I don't even have a name for this thing yet, (laughs) but I didn't want that to stop me from starting because I know I'll figure it out along the way. And if I wait for it to be perfect before I start, I might never. So here we are. Today's episode is a conversation with one of my best friends named Vu. I'm sure many of you know her. Um, but if you don't, I met her at Full Out Studios during the first rehearsal for a team we were both on called I&Q. She needed rides home in order to be on that team, and I didn't mind. I'm glad that I took up that offer because our beautiful friendship grew from there. View, isn't it? View, hello. Her name is Boo. Boo <laughs> is an incredible human being. She is kind, gracious, honest, and wise. She is an artist, a teacher, a giver, a healer. She is also hilarious, spontaneous, and definitely, mm, let's just say one of a kind, (laughs) but I wouldn't have it any other way. She has undoubtedly changed my life for the better since she entered it, and I know she has done the same for so many other people. I appreciate her and all the insightful conversations we have because I realize so much about myself and life in general when I'm with her. So I hope that our conversation today lifts you up or helps you up in some sort of way. So yeah, that's about it. Let me know what you guys think. Um, I really hope that I can do many more of these in the future. Again, I'm sorry. I know the audio quality won't be that great. Um, I promise that I will work on that. But I do have some amazing intro and outro music by my dear friend, Planet Drew. Shout out to you, Drew. I love you. (laughs) Um, You can follow him on Instagram at planet.drvv. Yeah, you definitely should because his music is freaking amazing. Um, But yeah, anyways, I'll stop rambling now. So I hope y'all enjoy. Have a good one. Um, Yeah, so I don't even know what I'm calling this, but I guess it's just conversations with people. conversations with people that's it yeah you know real catchy it's gonna pop off yeah everybody's gonna be like damn it that's the thing I've done <laughs> okay <laughs> no but no but seriously I just like what I really just wanted it to feel like a conversation not so much an interview even though I am gonna be asking you questions I just like <gasps> what <Okay. laughs> I'm just going to cause you issues this whole time. Okay, that's fine. Just just be you, you know? (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, I want I kind of just wanted you to talk about your background a little bit first. So like where you grew up, where you went to school. Um anything you want to say from that sort? (laughs) My background. Um, it's so weird.
0: Okay, let me tell you why this is weird. Because like this is stuff you know, and so it's strange for me to like pretend like you don't yeah. <laughs> and then tell it over again. Um well I grew up in South Africa in Durban, which is like on the southeast coast. Um, of South Africa so not quite as south as Cape Town but a little bit to the side Um, and then I went to school in Johannesburg which is more north and inland Um, and I was there for seven years in boarding school that's intense seven years is a long time yeah (laughs) and yeah it was like the time was already intense like in terms of the the amount of time or the period that we spent there but there were 69 people in my graduating class. And so I think it was a little bit more intense just because we got to know everybody so well and so intimately mm-hmm. um, because my class was pretty small. Um, but it was was an interesting experience for me to be in an all-girls school, especially an all-girls leadership academy because like I grew up in a pretty, not traditional, but in a pretty conservative home. My grandparents were pretty Christian, um, pretty strict. And like the girls had their roles and so did the boys. And like, obviously there were consequences for stepping out of those roles. And so for me to be um, in a school where like I have to some degree like freedom to choose things for myself, to decide what I value, and to decide what is important to me was um, definitely an interesting shift, and it caused some some friction, obviously, when I went back home, because, you know, when you leave home, things change, and the way that you see people, and the way that you see things is different, and, may, and that may not be the case for the people that are still at home, mm-hmm. um, and then it just kind of <laughs> worsened once I came to the States, because it's like, I had already like been in a different province away from my family. And now I'm in an entirely different continent, entirely different time zone. Um, And so being on the East coast, I think, yeah, college was definitely like one of the most difficult times of my life because obviously just the, the combination of being away from home, being in a new space with people I don't know, uh, constantly speaking a language that isn't my first language, missing food from home, just missing being in in a familiar space, that adjustment is a lot. And then obviously being in a very rigorous institution, it's like the pressure of having to perform and survive being in a foreign country, and manage to have a social life, and build a resume was just like a lot to handle, as I like imagine it would be for everyone, but I think it's particularly difficult for international students who are disconnected
1: Mm -hmm. uh,
0: from their families, because it's like, not only can you not just take a bus and go home, (laughs) yeah, You can't even call it certain times, you know, because of the time difference. And so there's a definite disconnect that's pretty grueling. Um, But yeah, it's so weird. I wouldn't change anything about my experience at Brown. It's like, I always say it was relentlessly transformative because I think there's certain things that I had to confront and learn about myself. And then there are things that I had to unlearn because it didn't align with my path and who I was trying to be even when that was clear I just knew that certain things just were not um in alignment with me or who I was trying to be anymore
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but again I still didn't quite have the language I didn't have the tools really I didn't have the I felt like I didn't have the space because I was trying to manage being in an Ivy league institution as a foreigner. Um, And so that like was a big, big challenge because I really had to figure out what was important to me. But more than anything, I had to figure out what my needs were for the first time, Um, which is like such a difficult thing that nobody tells you. Like, I don't know and I don't know if this is just because of the way that I grew up but my family we were concerned mostly about like basic needs so to speak yeah and like the what is it the bottom was at the top I think the bottom of the, mm-hmm. the 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 pyramid hierarchy right yeah yeah and so it obviously was about like being fed being safe getting an education and so I never really attended to my emotional needs, and Mm -hmm. so that's part of the reason that it was so confusing for me, because I had all these emotional and spiritual needs that I didn't even realize existed, because it just was never something I interacted with, Mm -hmm. Um, and so not knowing how to be, like, this is what I need, and not in terms of, like, this is the kind of food I need, or this is, like, the paper I need to be reading, but is, like, what is it that I need as a human being, as an emotional being? Um, And so I think that was, like, part of the big transformation, starting to realize that I, like, I exist as a person. Yeah. But also, I am responsible for my own life, which was another scary thing, because I'd been so used to following rules. Even in boarding school, we all wore uniforms. We had uniforms for Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Tuesday and Thursday, everything was set, and so, having to make those decisions for myself, so really really just confronting myself as a person outside yeah. of like the order and the and the control or the the structure of being at home or being um, in boarding school and then I just had a great time and a miserable time, <laughs> you know like it 's one of those things I like. But, and I look back, I was like, damn, I was really going through it. Yeah And like again, the difficulty was just not knowing what it is that I was going through or what I needed to get through it. Yeah. Um, but I think I had just had so much support, even when I didn't reach out to people. I had so much support and there are so many like communities and structures in place that were intended to help me through whatever it is that I... mean at Brown? Yeah. Both, like, um, students on campus, some of my friends and roommates, and then, like, advisors on campus. I think that was actually the first time that I really... I think I was forced to ask for help, for one, but, like, that made me realize that actually people are willing when they're able to help. Not everybody is, but it's also about knowing how to ask for help, being specific about what it is that you need help with, and then being able to communicate that to people. Mm. Um, is a, It makes a huge difference because I think for a long time, I just, I got, um, what's the word, disgruntled or resentful when people didn't know immediately what I needed. But that people ne- don't know what you need, especially when you don't know what you need. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just like, and hearing the experiences of other people who didn't have that much support also made me realize just how blessed I am because a lot of students um that I knew at Brown like so I had to do a um a program at this um place called Butler Hospital in Providence for um depression and the severe anxiety treatment, and most of the time. When students take time off or, like, do school part-time because of health issues, they have a very difficult time getting back mm-hmm. onto campus. There's so many barriers. Like, you have to write an essay saying why you think you've recovered or you, you're better enough to be on campus. You have to give them, like, a plan, all those sorts of things. There's just so many loops. And then, like, there may be changes in financial aid or whatever the case is. And I, have, and I never had to deal with any of those things. Um, so, yeah. So, it was, like, a weird um combination of learning to ask for help recognizing my needs um but also realizing that I've just got so much to be grateful for Mm -hmm. and yeah I just have a lot to be grateful for and it's just so much support is the biggest thing support is the biggest thing because I think the support I got especially at, at Brown both from my friends and from like people supporting me, sponsors, and, like, my, my scholarship donor is that the kind of support that is unconditional, doesn't have an agenda, is a very different kind of support than the support that's, like, I'll support you if you do something that I agree with,
1: mm.
0: and that is, I think that was the biggest, one of the biggest, like, life-changing things is to see people support you exactly where you are, And not in the way that they want you to be.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But yeah, and then I made it, I graduated freaking. (laughs) My God, honestly, my graduation, I think I was maybe outside for 15 minutes. I literally got my diploma and dipped. (laughs) I was so done with that university. I was so fucking done. (laughs) Am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah. Okay. I was really fucking done. Okay? I was like, this needs to, I could not have been more ready to leave a place. I don't like, I've never in my life, actually, no, maybe my house, but <laughs> I just wanted to be independent. Yeah. But like when it was over, I felt like it was time for everything that needed to happen, happened. And then a month, maybe. Before graduating, literally a month. That's when I decided I was like, wait, I think I want to dance. Like I want to take mm-hmm. this seriously. What did you and study so, at Brown again? Sociology.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sociology, but so I my application was like pretty last minute, pretty rushed, and but I managed to get it in, and then I got accepted to Mills, um, which is also an interesting thing because I really had to put my pride aside. I knew I wanted to be in California, but because of the high school I went to and because I'd been to Brown, I felt like I had to go to NYU. Mm. I felt like I would be disappointing or settling or something, whatever it is, if I did not go to NYU or UCLA. But I didn't want to be at at any of those schools. And so I really, this is another test to be like, am I going to look internally and see what it is that I want, which is to be in the Bay, mm-hmm. like I've wanted for a long time, or is it going to be an external, um, kind of evaluation? I'm like, what's going to look better on paper?
1: Who did you think you would be disappointing? One, one myself,
0: my pride, and then like my family, cause they're, I mean, they know the Ivy Leagues, but they're like Mills College. What is that? And then all my friends who are like continued in elite institutions, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, so just like other people that I've gone to school with um, who were in similar situations to me, but yeah, but at the end of the day, like, even when I was unsure, I at least was able to commit to the decision to be like, I do not want to be in New York. Mm-hmm. I literally could not want anything less. hmm Um, and so I ended up in Mills, Yeah. Dancing, and jiving, and grooving.
1: (laughs) Would you have still, what would you have done if you went to New York or L.A.? Um, New York
0: would still have been a dance major. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: You just wanted to be in the Bay.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to be in the Bay. I just knew, and I think it was the right decision for sure.
1: Do you think, um being in being at brown and living your life for the first time like figuring out like what your needs were and all that do you think that helped you in making the decision to go to the bay because you realized it's what you wanted and not what yeah other people wanted
0: yeah for sure i think it's that and then the combination again of the support there was this one dancer um a choreographer who i think she's in new york now emma russo mm. and she like was oh yeah yeah you know emma But she was, like, the first person that I felt, like, really recognized me as a dancer without the desire for me to be a different kind of dancer. Mm -hmm. I I often felt like when I walked into a class, I was, like, training with people. um, And so I just felt out of place um, dancing in those spaces. But with Emma, she just, like, embraced my groove. She embraced my... African hips and butt and it just like it felt really freeing to be able to add my style to her style without feeling judged or feeling like I'm messing it up or like taking it out of its true form Mm. Um, and so I think that experience of being seen as exactly the dancer that I am made me want to grow as a dancer and really want to pursue it. Because it was like, oh, you can dance in the way that you dance. You don't have to dance a specific way. You can do it your way. And that's okay. That's valid. That's enough. Um, so I think, yeah, it was the combination of, like, being grilled and then being recognized as, as a person.
1: Yeah. I think that's really important. And I'm yeah. glad you had that experience, because if you didn't, you might not be here right now. <laughs> right, and that's why it took me so long.
0: Yeah, it took me so long. Yeah.
1: So you're almost uh, done with school, right?
0: <laughs> <Or> am I?
1: <laughs> hey, what do you mean?
0: Am I ever gonna graduate? No, Jk.
1: I mean, you're 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 doing your classes online right now, right? Yeah. Yeah
0: i'm so close
1: how has that been like i mean because grad school already i can imagine is very (laughs) stressful so how has it been like lately with everything changing
0: stressful Mm, some days are absolute trash and other days are okay and then a few days are exciting and inspiring um like the last week say starting thursday last week and then Monday, Tuesday, I was just not feeling it. I was just Mm -hmm. not feeling it. I think between like processing, so I've been just reading a lot of things about how this is a traumatic experience and we're all reacting to it in different ways. And I think like part of me is so used to chaos that at first I was like, oh no, no, this is fine. And that's why I was like doing so many photo shoots, I'm still, I was, like, choreographing pieces, teaching people, doing all these things, working on my thesis. And then it finally hit, like, I, this is a real thing. And so I've just, like, been experiencing waves of trying to, like, find acceptance and just be, like, it is what it is. And also being, like, this is a fucked up situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, that's the truth of it. Not only because there's a virus going around, but it's like such a disturbing reminder of the inequality and the systemic violence that exists in the world and like that's something I, I always think about mm-hmm. right as a woman, as a person who exists in the world, as a woman who's vulnerable and as a black person, so it's things I think about all the time, and my like my thesis is on inequality, and so it's like constantly on my mind. Um, And so I have to force myself to take breaks from reading the news or being on social media. Um, And so like there's, yeah, it's just a roller coaster is what it is. It's just Mm -hmm. a roller coaster of different things. And then school, some days I want to punch my professors in the face because (laughs) I'm like, calm down. Yeah. Like this is such a hectic situation. You just need to relax. But then there have been times where either me or other classmates have been like, "This is a lot. We can't handle it," and they've been pretty understanding. And that's the other thing about communicating, right? When you're able to communicate that this is actually a little bit much during this time and in this way, sometimes people will accommodate. Sometimes they won't be. But the truth is, you won't know until you ask. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's definitely a stressful time, but it's also a lot of discoveries.
1: Right. Yeah. That's what I was also going to ask you, like, um, obviously we're all struggling right now in different ways, but um, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, have been having, like, different realizations about, like, just, like, like how Oprah says, aha moments. I always Mm -hmm. go back to Oprah, but she says, like, aha moments, right? So, like, what do you think, well, like, what's your biggest aha moment that you've had during this quarantine about yourself or about life anything
0: Mm, that's it's an interesting question because my so to speak biggest realization is that all the lessons that I'm learning are big realizations Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know there's not one lesson that's more important than the other or that's like more significant and if anything it's the little ones or like the subtle shifts that for me have been more monumental, let's say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think every day now, I'm making discoveries, even when de- on days when I feel like, nah, this is not it. Um, but for me, it's not so much the discovery, but it's like the way that things clarify, not only in terms of like, What I've experienced but how it's shaped me now and the choice that I have in changing how I react to things after that after that realization so it's like the small changes in my own approach to to different patterns to thoughts to experiences um that are like little tiny shifts every day I think that's it like little tiny shifts on what make the huge difference in the long run
1: yeah right and like being aware of the little shifts and not like thinking of them as little right
0: yeah yeah right and I think like mm, yeah because I think part of me is always looking for these like big ah there it is eureka type of moments but when I pay more attention So what I've been doing lately is when I feel clustered or I feel overwhelmed, I'll just write or record my voice, which is something I've been doing for a while, but I've been doing more so lately. And my intention is never to discover something, but to just let it out. Mm. It usually gives me so much clarity because I'm not putting pressure on it to be this big aha moment, but instead I'm like, this is the reality of me right now. And there's so much to discover just in that um, so I think that's the biggest thing. It's the little moments, the little lessons, and the tiny shifts that happen right now that are the most critical. That's my thing after yeah. five minutes. Oh, no, I like that a lot.
1: <laughs> I like that a lot. Because I, I think it's really important to like be aware of the little shifts and not expecting them to be big, like aha moments. Right. It's really interesting to think about that now because listening to you talk about it, I, I'm like, oh, I do that a lot. <laughs> like I, I like, expect, mm. I, I expect them to be like, ah!
0: <laughs> hit you in the face. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Oprah because she talks about whispers too, right? Yeah. There, like, there are whispers that are like warning signs from the universe, so to speak, that constantly are thrown at us, but we don't notice
1: because we're waiting for this big orange rock to fall uh-huh. on our faces. You're right. I forgot about that. She's. She said um, on her tour, she said that it, it, the messages start as whispers and then exactly. there'll be like a thump on the back of your head and then there'll be like a brick thrown at your head. <laughs> and then it's a whole wall. And I guess like that, like it, the way I was interpreting that when we heard that was like the message, like she was talking about like messages that are like, Hey, you should, um, you should get back to writing because that's something you really like to do as a kid like maybe that was Mm -hmm. the whisper but now in terms of what we were talking about right now I'm thinking it also is like um like you're saying like the little shifts like those are those can still be whispers and we should be listening
0: we should be those
1: and not expecting like a big brick on the back of our head for like aha moments because I do that all the time like I just realized that yesterday I was like when I had my like spiritual awakening after a yeah. month, <laughs> I would start, I started meditating and I like experienced a really big shift and like, mm. I felt like so at peace for a good couple of months because I was constantly meditating. And then when it yeah. started to change and I didn't feel the same anymore, I was like, well, where's that big, where's the like aha right? uh-huh moment, Like yeah. like peace that I felt before. And then it's just recently, I was realizing that it's like, I just have to, let it be how it is like be aware of how i'm feeling right now and let the moment be what it is but don't expect there to be some like big shift or like monumental like piece that i discover you know
0: right all of a sudden and and all at once that's actually i wrote this in my journal yesterday this this is i think this is the better summary of my discovery Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not all at once but also not just once because i think so i was thinking about like all my like really sad bulimic uh, efforts to lose weight and in, um, in undergrad lose weights, many weights, um, and how I was like approaching it. And so does a lot of people in diet culture where they're like, for three weeks, I'm just gonna eat lemons. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fucking it. Yeah. And then they either are successful and then the weight comes back or they're not successful at all, right? And so I've been thinking about like making changes where I don't change everything at once, but I also don't make a change one time. You know, like how you stop meditating after a few months, but if we approach it as, okay, if I meditate four times a week, sometimes it will be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Sometimes it will be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. You know, there'll be a mix of things, but you've got this like... Not general, but this loose goal that helps keep you accountable without pressuring you. Right. And then on days when you don't meditate, you say it's okay, I didn't meditate. That's it. It's not that you're a bad person. It's not that you're a loser. It's not that you're backtracking, you just didn't meditate. And so approaching it like Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm just too. like, yeah. so how do I because yeah, I really do like writing too and reflecting. Um And so I'm like, I want to write more. So instead of being like, starting tomorrow, I'm going to write every day. (laughs) I'm like, I put it in the back of my mind. I'm like, when I feel like writing, I will write something, even if it's a single sentence. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. So that's the, I think that's the better summary. Yeah. Not all at once, but not just once.
1: Yeah. That's a good way. That's a good way to put it. I'm going to put it on my, I
0: think I want to get a tattoo that's another thing i've realized i think i used to be opposed not opposed um somewhat ashamed to get a tattoo because like of my christian background but also like some mentors have said things against tattoos but (laughs) not like vehemently against tattoos just like there's i don't know there's there's a culture about it especially like You know, when people have tattoos on their necks or their face, people have opinions about that. Uh, But one of my mentors said that, like, she thinks that often people get tattoos on the outside because that's something they're missing or desiring on the inside. Like, if people get, like, names of loved ones who've passed away or, like, men who get, like, dragons or, like, ladies on their arms, it's like a reflection of this insecurity. Mm. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about a specific tattoo that I've wanted to get for about six months now, like especially since I've been making more realization, spiritual awakening um and I was like, Why do I want it? Why is it like Is it because I'm lacking on the inside And then I was like, for me, I need that reminder. Right. I know that it is helpful for me to see things, which is why sometimes meditating is hard for me. My form of meditation is recording myself talking, and that helps me more clarity. Sometimes I need it to be out. Um, and so I was like, wait, yeah, I think I do want to get this tattoo, because it's okay to have those reminders.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It really is okay to have those reminders and, that, and those support systems that maybe you even set up for yourself when you're trying to make these discoveries.
1: Yeah. And I think it has to do about like the like going back to the awareness, right? Because it could be like um, an insecurity or reflecting an insecurity that you have if you're not aware of it. But like if you are, then it can be a reminder, like you're saying, right? Because like this, the lion that I have with the lady inside of it, it's like the whole reason I got this was to remind myself to live my life with courage instead of fear. But Mm. I knew that like getting it that I had fear inside of me. So to me, it was like a reminder to try to push past it. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Wait, what was the tattoo that you wanted to get?
0: The word thrive. Mm. I think this might be interesting for you as well. Uh, I'm going to project because, you know, we are here. And I know you well enough. (laughs) But (laughs) the tattoo is thrive. I realized that I'm so used to surviving that sometimes I make hard hard life harder for myself. Mm. Like I'm so used to being in survival mode, whether because like I grew up in the hood in South Africa, and so it wasn't always safe. And it's like my grandparents drew, grew up during apartheid, and so my grandmother didn't go to school. I think like past the third grade, my grandfather like um, I think he graduated and maybe did like a community college for for a single year or something like that and so we had certain difficulties and so like our main priority like I said earlier was surviving you know and being alive being able to go to school do all the minimal things um and I realized that even in spaces where I don't need to be surviving I'm always surviving and I never allow myself to thrive Mm like, I've had friendships where they just weren't fulfilling, but they were familiar and supportive in certain, like, practical ways, so I was, like, yeah, I'll hold on to that, or even, like, in romantic or sexual relationships with people, I'm, like, you know what, this is, like, not the best thing, but at least I have it, and so it's, like, Mm. realizing the way that that survival mode translates in different areas of your life and for me it's translated as limiting myself or what I think I can get what I think I deserve when I can get what I deserve um and so settling a lot that's how the survival mode has um
1: Mm.
0: has manifested settling a lot in my dance career I feel like I have all these incredible ideas that i want to explore but i'm like well that's too risky it's not going to be safe mm. so i choose to stay safe instead and i'm like people are not going to watch that that's too weird and so i choose to stay safe instead of taking the risk and potentially thriving mm. and there's so many other different things too like i just yeah there's so many different so many different areas of my life where i'm like no no i'll choose the safer option
1: yeah that's really interesting uh, how it's like manifesting in the ways where you like want to play it safe or you feel like you're settling because maybe like you know that idea of like oh i don't know if i'll get any better right exactly. so i play it safe by like settling for this
0: exactly and i didn't realize that that was the connection yeah but it's also like for different people it comes from different places too you know just the just it, yeah i think a lot of people settle and for different reasons i just realized that for me it was because of the The early childhood need for survival where you only did what was necessary or what you needed to like stay alive what you needed to be like healthy and not anything more or less than that yeah yeah
1: how did you come how did you come to that realization
0: (laughs) i think this one has been a building one i think this one has been building like for a long time because it's so weird because even though I get into these like I've let go of a lot of friendships in my life so there's there was I think I blessed the lord the universe the higher power for this like subconscious consciousness I don't even know if that makes sense but I think a part of me always knew that the survival in my family had to stop with me that, like, I was the generation to start thriving and not just surviving. Mm -hmm. And so even though we get into these friendships, I would stay, like, maybe for a year or two, six months, and just accept it. But after a while, it didn't sit well enough for me, or at least for the being that I was working towards, that I always, always ended those friendships or those sexual romantic relationships. So I think a part of me always knew, but I just never was clear. Um, but I think the, like the big moment was after we went to the 2020 vision tour, um, what was, I think my, my word or the goal that I set was release and to be present, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, the path of least resistance was my thing. And the minute I started like settling into my existence I I didn't even try to change anything I didn't try to like reorganize my room or vacuum the floor I just settled into my routine as it is and that's when I made the, the the realization about how I value myself as a person but that's when I made the realization about the fact that I've never valued myself as a person but I've always valued myself as a student or as a productive person, as a choreographer or as a teacher or as a a scholar or as whatever it is, right? But it was never about me as a person existing as a being before even doing anything. And so then I started to ask myself, okay, how has this lack of self-value manifested? And then I realized that one of the ways was in the fact that I was settling a lot. Um, But yeah, that's
1: yeah that's a lot, but it's very it's like very powerful to understand like because I think a lot of people can think back to their childhood and be like, "Oh yeah, I was like in survival mode a lot, but to like realize right. that it translates into the way you still make choices today is
0: right, and even like the least obvious choices right like when I want talkies, but I get skinny popcorn instead. You know, it's like, I wanted some fucking Takis. Yeah. You know, and I should be able to have those Takis because eating Takis instead of popcorn doesn't make me a bad person.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It just means I wanted Takis.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) That's really it. (laughs) And that's so funny because like, that's the other thing that's been helping me a lot through this like time is, you know how sometimes like we'll drink on a Tuesday afternoon oh girl i know or we'll smoke (laughs) on a wednesday
1: morning
0: (laughs) like (laughs) or we'll watch tv for hours on end yeah i've been constantly trying to remind myself it's okay if you need to cope during this time but whenever i do i have to remind myself that this is coping and this is not how i want to live the rest of my life right and there's a difference between being like why are you watching so much tv you're lazy and understand that you're coping right now and it's okay, but you don't have to always do this. Wow. It makes such a difference for me. So, when I want to watch TV, I will watch TV. Sometimes I still feel guilty, but I have to. It's a habit of reminding myself hey, it's a, you're coping, you're in a traumatic period. Internationally, everybody is traumatized. Yeah. And it's okay that you need to cope, it makes you human, but you also don't always have to cope. Mm all the time over and over and sometimes I'm like bitch shut up with your wise ass like <laughs> sometimes I'm like okay you need to relax that deep, but it is
1: kind of your ego's like it's not that deep I'm just I'm a piece of shit sometimes <laughs> I'm a
0: piece of shit that's <laughs> the, e- the freaking ego
1: no but I think I think that's so powerful because honestly that helps me a lot because that's what I've been struggling with I'm like mm. okay well sometimes I just want to drink a couple glasses of wine and watch a tv show but then the other side of me that always needs to be doing and working right yeah or even the side of my my spiritual side is like no you should be doing something that's like self-care like you should be taking a bath or meditating or journaling or or you should be working wait
0: wait. i'm gonna cut you off because yeah yeah. i feel like your spiritual side will never shit on you will never shit on me should on you like you should be should should yeah you should be and sometimes yeah yeah so mm, that's interesting yeah I don't think your spiritual side would ever should on you I think that's still part ego Mm. you're right yeah you're right yeah (laughs) I feel like it's still part ego yeah
1: yeah it's definitely my ego because I mean I
0: have I go back and forth between that too sometimes I really just don't know is it my ego is it my is the inner child is it who is it hello (laughs) which one of y'all but yeah I think yeah that's that's a helpful thing to be like hey you're you're coping.
1: yeah I think the language is really important because I've been realizing like how important it is like the language that we use to speak to other people but like Mm -hmm. the language we use to speak to ourselves too so I think Honestly, I think that's going to help me a lot to reframe it that way. Because, like, I think before I was doing, like, well, this isn't what you should be doing. You should be me doing too. something better. And that's not healthy. But you should be say doing it,
0: something better. Yeah, same.
1: To say, like, oh, I'm, I'm coping. But also being aware that, like, I don't have to cope, like, right? forever. Yeah. Is and nice it
0: helpful. is coping. Just labeling it as coping, I don't know, makes it clearer almost to the brain, like, this is not necessarily a normal activity. But mm-hmm. it's kind of necessary for the moment we're in right now.
1: But it's okay. Yeah. But
0: it's okay, right? Yeah, it's that part that's usually the hardest. It's okay. Yeah.
1: And the ego's like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah, because I feel like I've been seeing such different sides of the spectrum. I feel like it's either like you take this time to work on yourself, to reconnect with yourself, to be better, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Or it's like, or it's like, like, don't worry about it. The whole world's going through it. Like, it'll be fine. You're okay. But like, not, not really like either, not really naming it. So it's like kind of hard. I don't know. Before it was harder for my brain to like wrap my head around that both of them are needed and both of them are okay. Right.
0: And both can exist at the same time. Yeah. They literally can. They're just neighbors. Hey, what's up neighbor? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: sometimes that's just how it be <laughs> yeah but yeah I've just been thinking I mean even the conversation that I had with Pran about guilt the conversation that we were talking about guilt I've just realized at least that guilt is such an ego emotion then I'm like oh okay so I don't have to hold on to this I still do Don't get me wrong. I'm not there yet. But at least now I'm aware. I'm like, yo, this is not an emotion of love. This is not an emotion of peace. This is an ego emotion. Yeah. It's an ego emotion because the ego is like, I should have had more control. I should have been able to not watch TV. I should have been smarter. I should have been this. I should have been this. But it's like, you were what you were at that moment. And that's what you needed.
1: You were what you were. Yeah. That's what I've been... Finally coming to terms with. <laughs>
0: I know, me too. I. That's why I have to do it every single day. Sometimes yeah. I'll do it like 10 times a day. Yeah. Like when I'm about to click next episode, I'm like, you're coping. That's okay. You're still coping. And I'll watch it, but it's also like after three episodes, I feel like I've coped enough. I mm-hmm. can go do whatever it is I feel like I need to be doing, want to be doing, and then get back, maybe start coping again.
1: Yeah. Um, That's whatever. what I found is helpful for me during this time is to um because I know everyone's different but personally like I will feel my best if I know I've been productive but if I've known and also I've also taken care of myself in the same day so like making taking care of myself is like meditating journaling for me etc and then being productive for me right now is like working on uh labbing crumb so like if i know i've done a little bit of both of those in the day then i'm okay right instead of so trying to focus too much on one or the other
0: yeah i think that's a good just a little bit of both is such a healthy thing it's yeah healthy thing.
1: um so i, I did want to ask you about the books that you've been reading right now oh my god <laughs> not be happier to share any books okay. <laughs> just so, an- any one that, that you want to share <laughs>
0: My, see, I'm the type of person, So i discovered when I first started doing therapy, actually six months after I started, that I'm always in logical mind. It's just who I am. I'm a logical person. I need things to be practical. Anything things to be like, this is how I do this. This is how it connects to that. And ABC means X, Y, Z, and the graph goes that way. Mm-hmm. It's just the way my brain works.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I read a lot of spiritual books when I was much younger that, just didn't click
1: Mm -hmm.
0: the alchemist I had to read it twice for it to make sense or for the lessons to really hit it made sense but I was like what what does this mean for my life how do I move on after reading this book now I have this knowledge but what do I do with it right so I had that struggle and I realized that that's part of maybe that's part of what other people are struggling with just not finding the book that's giving them the information that they need in a language that fits them, almost like a love language, but in writing. Mm -hmm. All these books are about the same thing, but they're written in such different ways and different approaches that each book will not have the same impact. And so I felt guilty for being like, why is this book not impacting me as much? Until I found The Choice by Dr. Edith Eager and confronting codependence.
1: I think it's facing codependence. Thank you, facing codependence. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Facing codependence by Pia Melody. Mm -hmm. Um, the first book was especially wonderful for me because
1: the choice. Sorry, right?
0: The choice. It was like the secret in real human terms for me, because one this lady has just been through so she survived the holocaust and so she's recounting the story and her experience with trying to keep an open mind a curious mind a positive mind whenever she can about her circumstances and understanding what she can control and what she can't control and at the end of the day all she can control is her brain right and how she and her mind and how she responds to things and so I feel like a lot of books that I read from spiritual leaders of people who are like, from the age I was three years old, I just knew I had this higher power connection. I'm like, I can't relate.
1: Yeah. I
0: really can't relate. And the language you're speaking doesn't. But she, I mean, she went through one of the worst experiences in human history and still manages to come out with this, like, vigor and this this positivity and this, because she realized that she had the choice as we all do right regardless of how little or how much how little or how much we suffer we all have that choice um and so just reading her story it's like so well written but I also think it's written with a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom but also a lot of humility and compassion for the human's like existence I think because she is a psychologist, she understands humans on a psychological level more than most spiritual writers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the psychological part is usually the barrier for that spirituality for a lot of people. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe that's just my experience. But because she gets the psychology of being a social being The way that she writes and the way that she shares her wisdom just made sense for me. I felt like the book was written just for me to read. Um, So I highly recommend that one. It's just such a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant book. So well written. Yeah, it's just just amazing. I've been taking notes. Whenever I read it, I'll take notes. And then um, Facing Codependence blew my mind because I never thought I was codependent. I was like, hello beach, Miss Independent. Remember <laughs> the Neo song? That was about me. Me. But then I read that codependence is such a a broad thing, but it also isn't just about depending on people in relationships. Right. There's so many things that we can be codependent on. And some of those things are memories or patterns or mm-hmm. history. Right. So we hold on to those things to define who we are and they shape how we make decisions. And so just discovering so many things about the way that not just the way that psychologically or spiritually I feel, but the way I practically actually live my life on a day to day basis and how how that's related to my codependence was mind blowing. Because then now I have this tool where I can be like, oh, when I communicate, this is coming from this experience when I walk into a room and I feel a certain way, this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm reading a book and I don't understand something and then suddenly I feel like I'm the stupidest person in the world, that's what this is about, right? So all these, like when I order food at a restaurant, when I'm thinking about it or overthinking it, this is what it's about, right? And so seeing how all these like big picture theory things apply to my actual everyday life is like one of the most empowering things. One of I think that's like the lethal combination for me. And Untethered Soul. I will never Untethered Soul is like I want to read it again now that I'm at this point in my life. But it's Untethered Soul, uh the choice and facing codependence.
1: For codependence, can you can you give an example about something you realize that you're codependent?
0: Oh actually I have my notes.
1: Oh Okay. (laughs) This is how you know. Uh Gotta take notes.
0: Yeah, I've been taking a lot of notes recently. I've been taking so many notes. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so I mean one of the first big things was um, you know, I was saying that I've never really valued myself as a person. Um and more for a scholar or a child or a daughter or a granddaughter or a performer, whatever it is. Um, because that's kind of how my family was and, that, and that's how it was when I went to boarding school. My family always rewarded, like when we did well with our grades. There was a point where like my sister would say, "If you for every A you get this amount of money. And so like, I was working hard to get all those A's. So knowing that like my value was always external, I carried that and never really realized. Yeah. Right. And so like, and that's why I was so scared not to go to NYU because I was like, will will my value diminish as a person mm. if I don't go to the elite institution?
1: Mm.
0: Right. So I was still holding on to that definition of value or worth in the external, especially when it comes to school. School has been just such a big thing, but I all. <clears throat> excuse me, but I also realized that that was the case in, like, especially relationships with men where I was always overextending myself because I I didn't think I had value unless I was doing something or offering something or creating a safe space, right? And, and that's not, like, something, I, yeah, I didn't really realize that that's what it was about, because whenever people, or oh, it's particularly like men, would approve of what I did, then I would feel more more confident or I, like feel more validated. Um, and so that was another thing. And then I also realized that I was pretty codependent on chaos. Hmm. Or taking care of people in chaos. A lot of my friends, when I was in undergrad, were either younger than me, or they were going through something that I had already gone through. I was just always drawn to people that I needed to take care of because I didn't really understand myself outside of chaos and stress. Mm. Um, And sometimes I still do that now, but at least now I'm aware so I can catch myself being like, this is really what it is. Um, and so just realizing, yeah, I think chaos is the big one because it's not a person, it's not a thing, it's not an event, it's a general feeling that I didn't realize was like so critical to my understanding of myself. Because like when things are too good, I'm like, What the fuck is going on? <laughs> I'm like, yo, somebody called nine one one because things are too good. <laughs> right and then when things and that's part of the reason that the beginning of this whole thing, I was jolly good fellow. I was in a good space because I was like, yeah, I know how to function and this is who I am, a person who knows how to survive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do the practical things, but it didn't last long because now that I've gone to this, like, realization and awakening that I don't need to be a survival person all the time. But, yeah, if, yeah, I chaos. Chaos.
1: Chaos. That, that's where the codependence is. <laughs> chaos yeah
0: tension chaos
1: that's yeah that's a pretty crazy realization and definitely stems back to like the survival mode so
0: right i really always thought codependence was about people and relationships right there's so many things that we can be things that just were familiar that were constant that were persistent that were like obvious for a long period of time in our in our lives, those things we can come, beca- become codependent on. And yeah. I always thought it was about people. Yeah. I'm gonna... I mean, to a large degree it is because we are social beings, but I always right. thought it was about people.
1: Yeah. I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> and so what I'm codependent. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like. yeah, really. I highly recommend it because it blew my mind.
1: Yeah. Because I definitely was with past relationships. I was mm. codependent. But now I feel like I'm in a place in my life where I'm so, like, okay being on my own and, like, pretty yeah. independent. And I have to figure out, like, what are the things I'm still mm-hmm codependent on. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's a, it's a process.
0: <laughs> no, because I think to a certain degree, I was also codependent on... Okay, so this is the shit that blew my mind.
1: <laughs> okay? Please share.
0: It was... Sometimes you can be codependent on things to reaffirm even the negative things about yourself. Mm-hmm. For certain, like I was, I think I was codependent on rejection for a long time because I got used to being rejected as a person, but being seen as a scholar that I understood myself as a rejected person. And so sometimes, like, I would do things or put myself in places where i knew i would be rejected or things wouldn't work out mm. because it made sense to the pattern
1: of my life because it made sense to like the story you had of like who you exactly, were exactly
0: to the story that i had and so it isn't just about like how we define ourselves but it's about what or who we depend on to continue that story right it's easier to add to a story that already exists and makes sense than to change the story altogether
1: mm. and so
0: like when you Put yourself in spaces or you settle because I think settling to a certain degree is rejection because you're not getting what you know deeply you want and deserve and so when you settle it makes sense because that's been the story and you're codependent on those experiences to keep the story going because you already know the story and it's familiar
1: yeah that's that's the shit
0: that blew my mind
1: yeah (laughs) I mean this is definitely very powerful. And I think I've known that in a different way, but hearing you like phrase it in that way, it just makes it even more like, like.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's good. This is, these books have actually like, I don't like to say things are life changing. Yeah. Because that's another thing, right? All at once.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm like, this thing was so life changing, but my life is constantly changing. But I think this is one of those things that I find life changing.
1: Wow, that that was good. I like what you just said. This is life-changing, but my life is constantly changing.
0: Constantly changing. Like, it really is, right? Yeah. Even the way we do our eyebrows, never be the same. Like, <laughs> it will look like the same. There's always going to be a slight difference. There's always going to be a slight difference. Sometimes you wake up at True. 9.01. Sometimes you wake up at 9.01 in 30 seconds.
1: True. <laughs> it's always a slight difference. Come on. <laughs> Uh, okay you just write
0: a book. Oh my god, you should. Jk, <laughs> I couldn't. You could. I hate writing. I never want to. That's the other thing. Like you I said, but...
1: you just said you like writing earlier. No, no,
0: writing for reflecting is what I. Uh, okay, okay. <sighs> writing long feel... things now. Oh my god.
1: I would read a book of your reflections.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Tess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel like I'm right. Re-
0: no, speaking of reflections, listen to this. Um, so, we had to do video responses for one of my improv classes. Mm-hmm. And this was my reflection. I said, the first one soft lines, easy creases, flow like water, air, so much air. Waited, a very loud quiet that I hear in my gut. The second one brought me a question What is the difference between being in a space and being with a space? It didn't give me an answer the third one so like that's just <laughs> these really short like that's where i'm at in my life right now i the like first that word that comes into my head that's it that's the complete <laughs> sentence i'm tired that's
1: it no i mean whatever first comes into your head is what you should l- be listening to i feel like right yeah
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah i've been reflecting a lot like that too i've actually realized that Um. Sometimes when I'm writing, I just need to write whatever comes to my mind first because I, I overthink so much. Like when I'm trying to write mm-hmm. po- write poems, for example, I realized like a good way to get something good out is to just literally like not judge, yeah, just, just keep get, writing. Um, yeah, that's
0: why I record them because I feel like once there's a hand in my there's a pen in my hand, I start thinking too much. Mm. But if I just bleh, yeah. puke it out, then <laughs> I can refine it. Because <laughs> do you ever look? at an old piece you choreographed and you're like damn I should have finished that that was kind of fire yeah but then you didn't because you thought about it too much and now it's gone forever
1: <laughs> gone forever <laughs> no, no no no, that makes sense So it makes sense. I think one thing I wanted to talk about too is that kind of what you were saying um in regards to the book the choice and like realizing that we have a choice yeah and how powerful that is I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, Oh my gosh, I forget how you say his name. I think it's NQ. I don't think it's, I think it's, yeah, I think it's NQ. He's like a poet. Um, He just released a book. So I was listening to a podcast episode he did on it. And one of the things he said that really resonated with me, which I feel like it's the same idea, is you can make it uh, like nothing you do is an obligation. You're choosing to do it. You can make a different choice or you can make the same choice, but you have to remember you have a choice.
0: I think I've heard that before. That's so powerful. Yeah.
1: And then I think, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that's really powerful. But then he also said, um, be open to the flow of life and see where it takes you Mm. because it could be better than you've ever imagined. And I think that's pretty um, relevant to what we're going through right now. Yeah, I think a lot of people... Had certain expectations about how their life would be right now or how their mm-hmm. life is going to be in a couple months. Like, like would be doing right, like it always
0: comes to the doing though for a lot of people.
1: Hmm,
0: I could have been doing this,
1: mm. yeah, because I mean, uh, a lot of things are getting canceled right now. Like, pride just got canceled, and a lot of my friends are really sad about that,
0: yeah. I mean, um, which is okay, it is a loss. Pride oh, yeah, 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 still, but like it does always come down to I could have been doing this with people.
1: Hmm. What do you What are you saying that the difference is like?
0: I think, like, hmm, I think our focus on the doing part is part of the the issue because mm-hmm. it, it. Okay, so I think let's say let's make the example of going to Pride with your friends, right? So it's not just the act of going to Pride with your friends, but it's the connection that you have with the people who are around you, and it's the experience that you have in that time. And less about like the doing. And I don't know if it's like people say I could have been doing this and really mean I could have been experiencing this or they really just mean I could have been doing this. Mm. If that makes sense. Like, I think there's a difference between the, like the need for constantly doing things. Right. You don't stop experiencing life because you stop doing things. Mm is really what I'm trying to get. You don't stop experiencing life because you stop doing things. But I think so much of our life experience is based on doing because we do live in a highly productive capitalist society that we don't think we can exist when we can't do things.
1: Right. Or we think like a part of our identity is missing if we're not. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. Like that spirit, the experience of pride may not be the same, but the spirit and the experience and the connection and the celebration can still exist even when we're not doing it on the streets
1: right it's just like the expectation that you have or like right, yeah if you're someone who's been going to a pride for like every year or pride has changed your life yeah it's easy to attach part of your identity to that and if you're like
0: right, exactly if you're, if you're missing
1: it missing it like you're expecting it to be the same and then you're missing it in that way it feels in like that a part, way, a part I mean, of you is missing yeah yeah
0: which is like a natural thing to feel like it, it's yeah 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 lost but there's definitely that, and that's not necessarily true for everyone, but there's that attachment to the external activity. Yeah. That is a huge problem for a lot of us.
1: And I think, I just like the way um, he phrased it in that quote, like, be open to the flow of life, see where it takes you, because it could, it it could be better than you've ever imagined. I just think that's, it goes back to the awareness of, like, where we are right now, and accepting the things at the end of the day obviously obviously i'm not saying that you shouldn't feel your feelings and you shouldn't mourn right, yeah. your losses like obviously you need to honor that too but at the end of the day like just being aware that things are the way they are now and being open to what that could bring you instead of trying to fight it because that's only going to create more um, resistance and yeah. hurt
0: the acceptance is hard though you know when you were saying you're talking about the choice i think yeah for me, maybe part of the the resistance to that lesson for so long, when you realize that you have a choice, you realize that you have a responsibility for your own life. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's a hard thing to come to terms to, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right? Regardless of what trauma you experience, of what disappointment or neglect or whatever it is that you experience from friends, family, loved ones, you can obviously, like, those things impact you, right? They shift the way that you see people and the way that you engage with people for a long time, but it doesn't have to be forever. You just have to take the responsibility, right? Because the truth is, on one hand, these things do impact you and they do change you in a significant way but you also do impact you and you change you in a significant way. And that's a big responsibility to be like, all right, now I'm out of that relationship. I'm out of that circumstance. I'm out of that school. I'm out of this place or whatever it is. Now I have to shape myself and not co-depend on that experience to continue fueling me.
1: Yes.
0: It's such a big responsibility to shift your own mind. It's such a huge, and I think it's not easier but it's just more familiar to stay in the same pattern than to Mm -hmm. make the choice to shift things
1: right
0: I don't want to say it's easy because it's I don't think anybody enjoys being stuck oh no yeah you know but making the shift boy yeah that's work (laughs) so much work
1: that's what the this poet was saying like I just love the way he phrased it like Right, yeah. You can make a different choice or you can make the same choice, but you have to remember you have a choice because if you you remember you have a choice, you have freedom.
0: You have and that's what um, Dr. Edith is talking about. Yeah. And one of my favorite thing that she says is not precisely, but she says, Once you've realized or given yourself the freedom from freedom from past experiences, you also need to give yourself the freedom to. Which is where the thrive thing was coming in for me because I have forgiven my father for his neglect and like made peace with the way that my family is healed from like losing my mom and my brother or whatever. But I never really gave myself permission to now exist presently as a thriving, healthy person. Mm-hmm. I was still in that limbo between making peace and moving forward. Yeah. It's not just about like the freedom from those experiences, but it's the freedom to be here fully in the present
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like what or in the future or whatever it is that you're looking towards yeah and, yeah
1: that's powerful yeah.
0: so many realizations
1: oh my gosh i knew this was gonna be great <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is great yeah i'm glad i'm glad we did this
1: uh, yeah um, i'm definitely gonna have to look back on everything we said Um,
0: yeah I'm gonna have to too like it's a constant thing
1: I guess to close it out is there anything that you want to say because I'm hoping that this reaches people (laughs) Uh, is there anything you want to say like I don't know anything that you that you want people to hear right now it could be about anything Mm -hmm. or that you want people to know about you or like life or
0: I think this is the thing now that I've been really wanting to share with people. It's what we're saying about things being like the need to cope being okay. And it applies to a lot of different things to our lives. I 100% believe based on my experience and the experience of other people that I've witnessed, you literally cannot make changes for yourself when you're feeling guilty or when you're feeling like when you're punishing yourself
1: right you
0: cannot if you're if you're dealing with you think you're smoking too much you will not stop smoking too much when you keep saying you're smoking too much that makes you a bad person that makes you a loser you have to stop at you're smoking a lot it is not healthy right
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then ask yourself what can I do about it so I think for me the biggest thing that I think has helped me and might help a lot of people is to stop demonizing our experiences and the way that we exist right now Because that will never result in change. just going to result in more sadness. Right. And more like self-blame and more guilt. So it's just like being kinder in our approach or confrontation of negative patterns or thoughts or things that we want to change. The, The military, like, super anal style just does not work. It just does not work. It's a little bit every day with a lot of kindness.
1: Hmm. Yeah. well um is there anything you'd like to <laughs> plug or self-promote <laughs> or like what are, you, um, what are you up to nowadays
0: <laughs> what am i up to nowadays that's an interesting question because i think i need another break or hiatus mm,
1: okay.
0: hiatus hiatus whatever that's because i think Again, we're talking about the doing. I've been so stuck on doing, my vision's getting blurry. Like, I don't even know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, I know why deep down, but I need to revisit that so that moving forward, I'm not just doing for the sake of doing. And I feel like part of that is wanting to survive as an artist on social media. I'm like, I have to produce something every day, even if it's not good quality, just so people know that I exist. Um, And so, yeah, I need to just go back to the drawing board. But and planning to be like choreographing a lot of virtual pieces in the next month and a half. So if people are trying to dance and <laughs> learn things online. Hit me up. And I'm serious about it too. I just I just finished, we're gonna have our last rehearsal before filming. I just did a piece with Jess and um, Agnes. Mm. And so it's just, like, the short one-minute piece, but because, yeah, I think, like, yeah, I'm just going to be creating a lot of virtual works with people that I'm really excited about. That's good. But not yet in the next okay. two weeks. Cool. I need to hunker down. I feel you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I need to hunker down and, like, really get, I'm not even, I'm not, it's not even a matter of Like getting serious or focusing. I just want to be clear about what it is that I'm trying to do once again.
1: And like who you want to be. And who
0: I want to be, yeah. And the impact that I want to make on people. So I guess nothing to love just yet, but
1: well you have definitely made a lot of impact on many people. I know. Like I'm sure in every Community that you've ever been in, and I know you will continue to. So that's why I wanted to talk to you because I honestly feel like I have the best conversations with you about life, and like they make, they give me so many aha moments, like little or big, you know, little small Um, or big. Yeah, and I wanted other people to be able to experience that too because it helps me a lot in my life. So
0: yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're able to have. It's also helpful for me to have these conversations with you because I feel like one I don't just like one we have different experiences of life even though we have so many similarities and so it's always good for me to get your perspective and it like helps me shift the way that I think or see things um which is like one of the most I think one of the most important things for do you can do or offer for people you love is just like a different perspective because you don't change the way that you think or approach life if you don't have people to tell you different and i think that's like such a valuable thing yeah thanks friend
1: thank you friend